Thank you for joining us on the LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host today, Rebecca, and I'm here with AADNS's Curriculum Development Specialist, Pam Truscott, to discuss trauma-informed care. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm really excited to be here. Pam, trauma-informed care is for the veterans who served our country, correct? Why is there all the fuss from CMS and the requirements of participation phase three about it? Rebecca, those are some great questions. Trauma-informed care does include our veterans who serve and protect our country, but it is so much more than that. Let me give you a couple of examples. If a person was abused as a child, adolescent, or adult, could that be considered a traumatic experience? What about the mother who lost her child in an automobile accident or who was in a motor vehicle accident herself? Traumatic? Yes. What about the farmer who suffered a significant injury while working on the farm? How about someone who went through a natural disaster, the Holocaust, or a victim of racism? All of these are potential examples of a traumatic event. Trauma could be an event or series of events or a set of circumstances that can harm a person's emotional or physical well-being. Trauma is extreme stress that completely overwhelms a person and their ability to cope. Trauma-informed care is an approach that recognizes the presence of trauma symptoms and engages people with a history of trauma while acknowledging the trauma and the role it has played on their life. It is not an intervention, action, or even a therapy, which is why it is best identified as an approach. According to the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, in its simplest form, trauma-informed care consists of four areas. Realizing the prevalence of trauma, recognizing how trauma affects individuals, responding by putting this knowledge into practice, and resisting re-traumatization. I'll try to explain each of these areas in a bit more detail. First, let's look at realizing the prevalence of trauma. At least half of all men and women in the U.S. will experience at least one trauma during their lifetime. Many of them will demonstrate few or no lingering symptoms. However, individuals who experience chronic, multiple, or repeated traumas are more likely to have pronounced symptoms and negative consequences. These could include mental illness, physical health problems, or substance use disorders. Next, you must recognize how trauma affects individuals. Individual functions can significantly be affected by trauma. Research shows that trauma disrupts and overwhelms the person's ability to cope and the nervous system's ability to function appropriately, resulting in feelings of helplessness, vulnerability, and a sense of being afraid. With the impact on the nervous system, there is an interference with how the individual views their place in the world, their beliefs about themselves, and their relationships with others. Next, you must respond by putting this knowledge into practice. I need to be a bit upfront here. There is nothing wrong with a person, but rather what has happened to them that should be the focus. In other words, trauma-informed care is a perspective change, a shift from what is wrong with you to what has happened to you. This perspective moves away from placing blame on the person who has had an adverse experience in their life and instead acknowledges that it may not be their fault or within their control for how they are acting. 
This shift in perspective promotes healing and demonstrates that team members have an understanding that the resident's past may be affecting their present and the behaviors associated with it. Lastly, and most importantly, is resisting re-traumatization. This means learning about the person's trauma and then taking steps to minimize situations that trigger, cause distress, or mirror the traumatic experience. You can find out more information about trauma-informed care on the Wisconsin Department of Health Services website, dhs.wisconsin.gov. Soon it will be critical that initial screening for post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, for all new admissions be completed. In fact, CMS will enforce F-699 for trauma-informed care-related citations. Unfortunately, very few long-term care facilities have had to consider this aspect of care in the past. This means that if a resident is not able to tell you information about past experiences that could be traumatic, an interview with the family, durable power of attorney, or other appropriate individuals involved in the resident's care may be needed. Wow, that is great information, Pam. Thank you. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Did you know that AADNS offers an advanced education and certification program for nurse leaders? The DNS Certified Program is a 10-module course that provides you with the regulatory and management knowledge missing from most nursing school programs. Learn more at aadns-ltc.org backslash dns-ct. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Pam Truscott about trauma-informed care. Pam, something you said earlier caught my attention. Did you say facilities are now going to be cited for not properly identifying residents who have trauma-related or PTSD concerns? That's right, Rebecca. CMS does not provide a direct requirement for a particular screening tool as indicated in F-699. However, the language in the regulation effective November 28, 2019 implies that an assessment be completed. Future revisions of Appendix PP may expand the expectations. Here's what I mean. F-699 states, the facility must ensure that residents who are trauma survivors receive culturally competent trauma-informed care in accordance with professional standards of practice and accounting for residents' experiences and preferences in order to eliminate or mitigate triggers that may cause re-traumatization of the resident. The intent of this citation as indicated by 42 CFR 483.40, is that upon admission, residents assessed or diagnosed with mental or psychosocial adjustment difficulty or a history of trauma and or post-traumatic stress disorder receive the appropriate treatment and services to correct the initial assessed problem or to attain the highest practicable mental and psychosocial well-being. It further goes on to state, Residents who were admitted to the nursing home with a mental or psychosocial adjustment difficulty or who have a history of trauma and or PTSD must receive appropriate person-centered and individualized treatment and services to meet their assessed needs. Facilities are going to be faced with yet another challenge of ensuring that not only are they identifying upon admission residents who may have trauma or PTSD, but that they also have it care planned, have intervention designed to reduce triggers, 
and have staff trained and confident in caring for the resident. In addition, the care plan and interventions will need to be individualized due to the resident's individual needs and triggers. Stress-related reactions can manifest in a multitude of ways, and what can be more stressful than moving out of your family house and into a long-term care facility? Ensuring that facility staff understand and appreciate the resident's reactions to this change will be an essential way to proactively approach and reduce the stress associated with move-in and get the facility off on the right foot with symptom management. Teams who are knowledgeable and competent in recognizing reactions of the individual and that he or she has little ability to control those reactions is paramount to creating a care environment that promotes quality of life and healing. Thank you so much, Pam. You have certainly given us a lot to think about. This information is very helpful to know as we prepare for the requirements of participation phase three taking effect on November 28th of this year. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. Please join us in listening to part two of this podcast as we continue to discuss trauma-informed care and what nurse leaders need to know to prepare their teams for phase three. For more resources and tools, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. For more updates on regulation requirements and changes, subscribe to the LTC-DON chat podcast. 